Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning you've given us. Thank you for the Lord's Day. We can come and worship you with your people in your assembly. Please bless this hour that we have. Give us a tent of hearts and minds and energy that we need and help us to learn how to worship you and see the great value of the fact that we've been called out of darkness into your marvelous light and are now a holy convocation of true Israel. We pray, Lord, all these things in the blessed name of Christ. Amen. Okay, so if you... How many of you grew up Presbyterian? I'm just curious. It's a handful. And how many of you have been in this church for like more than five years? Okay, more, yeah. I don't know if you've ever decided to sit down and read our directory for the worship of God that's in our book of church order. Raise your hand if you have. Some nerds. But that's awesome, because this thing is great. Uh, I was required to read it if I'm going to be ordained in our presbytery, and this is probably my favorite part in the BCO. It's taken from actually the Orthodox Presbyterian Church's Book of Church Order. This is based on theirs. So I have no idea who wrote what and all of that, but this is a great document. And just so you know, it's like 30 pages long, but only like seven of those are really like meaty. I mean, they're all meaty, but are directly related to worship. Um, of what the topic we're going to talk about today. The others are like, okay, baptism, funerals, marriage, which are all important. But worship is something we do every week as God's people. Every Sunday morning, you come here, or you're supposed to be here, to worship God. God is actually meeting you here, and you're to meet with God here. There's a great essay, and this is what, or sermon, that Mikhail is going to talk about next week called The Public Worship Preferred Over Private. It's by David Clarkson, a Puritan. But the public worship is to be preferred over private. That means that coming to church with God's people is better than staying home or being worshiping in private, in prayer or in song. Being with God's people is better. It's good. And I won't steal all his thunder, but that's a very, very good work, and I'm excited to see him go through that. But the worship of God is something that we're supposed to do every week. We have a holy convocation on each Lord's Day. It's our Sabbath. You're required to be here, or we really want you to be here. Christians should be gathering with, the, with God's people. But oftentimes, when we're here, it may seem very dull. It may seem very, um, what's the word, I guess just boring. It may seem like God really isn't meeting here with us. It may seem like the church is actually just 
something um, passing. It's something you just have to do, so you check it off your list. If you're coming to church, though, with expectations, with the right expectations, those expectations should be filled. When you're coming to worship God, God does actually meet with you. This is all I really want to say. But how and what way and how does this benefit you, that is what we're going to really get into. Um, when we think about worship, there's a lot of texts that come to mind, perhaps, in your mind when you think, where does the Bible speak about worship? Um, John 4, the Samaritan woman at the well. Christ tells her, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am. The hour has come when we worship in spirit and truth. And I think a good argument can be made that the spirit there spoken of is the Holy Spirit. And the truth that he speaks of there is the fact that we are now worshiping in the name of Christ. We worship in the Holy Spirit and in Christ. The intercession of Christ is key to worship. In about, what time is it? Yeah, a little less than an hour. We're going to all be in here still. There'll be more people, Lord willing. And something's going to happen. That something is that when you sing and when you pray and when the minister is speaking to you, Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding. He's presenting our prayers to the Father and perfecting them. He's presenting our worship and perfecting it to the Father. This is amazing. And I want you to feel that. That's my goal really here today, is to know how Jesus relates to our worship. How God, the, tri the Trinity himself, is actually at work here today. For your benefit and for his glory. In Matthew 11 says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. 
Outside of Christ, we can't know the Father. Outside of Christ, we are actually separated from the Father. Christ is our mediator. He's the mediator of the covenant. I want to read to you from the the Directory of Public Worship. This is on the nature of public worship. It says, An assembly of public worship is not merely a gathering of God's children with each other, but is, before all else, a meeting of the triune God with His covenant people. In the covenant, God promises His chosen ones that He will dwell among them as their God and they will be His people. The triune God is present in public worship, not only by the virtue of the divine omnipresence, but much more intimately as the faithful covenant Savior. Through Christ, God's people have access by one Spirit to the Father. Because Christ is the mediator of the covenant, no one draws near to God except through Him alone. God's people enter the most holy place, the heavenly sanctuary, by the redeeming blood of Jesus, by the new and living way opened for them through the curtain, that is, his flesh. They draw near through him as their great high priest, who has not entered a man-made sanctuary, but heaven itself, now to appear for them in God's presence. Public worship is to be conducted in a manner that plainly expresses conscious reliance upon the mediation and merits of Jesus Christ. And if, when, you're reading, when you're hearing that, you should be hearing a lot of Scripture right there. So all of this is just taken from, from God's Word, what He revealed to us. And a lot of that is taken from Hebrews. In Hebrews, we are presented with a sermon, an exhortation to God's people about the fact that Jesus is now He's our mediator. He's better than the old covenant priest. His priesthood is better. He's better than angels. He's better than Moses. Um, We come to God through him alone. And in Hebrews, in chapter 2, we read um, this. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. In that chapter, the uh, writer to the Hebrews is quoting Psalm 22, which is one of the most quoted psalms in the Old Testament. And he attributes this to Christ. I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I, Christ, will sing your praise. This means that Jesus Christ is actually our worship leader. He's actually singing praises to God. He is actually leading us. Yeah, Ben is up here as our worship leader, as a representative of Christ. But Christ himself, who we sing worship to, is actually singing along with us the praises. This is wild. Calvin says on this, as soon as God becomes known to us, uh, as soon as God becomes known to us, his infinite praises resound in our hearts and ears. And Christ encourages us by his example to sing them publicly. 
so that they may be heard by still more. This teaching is the very strongest encouragement to us to bring yet more fervent zeal to the praise of God. When we hear that Christ heeds our praise and is the chief conductor of our hymns. Now, everything I've been saying, it's my job to make it real to you. Because I can just stand up here and blather on and on and on. That's easy. But how does this help you? How is this going to be, make you excited to come and worship God with his people? On Sunday mornings, when we come here, we are often distracted. Our sins throughout the week, and especially that morning, are just present in our hearts and minds. How many of you have fought with your spouse or your children, you're disappointing them 15 minutes before you're coming here, and you're supposed to then worship? Worship God. So this past week, Jayla and I went up to Indiana for our NGA conference. And I started the week out, as I said, with a pulled back. And it probably wasn't a good idea to drive all the way up there. So I'm in pain this whole time. We're on our way to uh, this conference. And... Jayla has never spent a night away from Solomon. This is her first time doing this, so she left him with her, with her parents in Bloomington. We're driving up to Indiana. We're 10 minutes away, and Jayla says, Matt, what's your phone number? I gave her my number. I'm like, why do you need it? She said, oh, I'm writing a will. And I was like, what? And I'm just immediately in panic mode, like, what, she's on her phone writing a will. It's probably online. Did she give our social security numbers? Like, this is crazy. So I'm just like, just freaked out. And I didn't take a minute to just realize she's freaked. She is very anxious about Solomon being alone. She wants to make sure if we die on the way there, he has somewhere to go be with his parents. So we're in a fight, and I'm just feeling terrible. And then I mean, we're literally, she's crying as we're pulling into the parking lot of this church to go into this place for this conference where it's supposed to be, you know, uplifting and encouraging and we're put together and I'm just like, oh my goodness. So, it's normal when you're coming to church to be in this uh, tension with your sinful spouse and your spouse with their sinful husband, (laughs) it's normal. And what makes it worse is the next day, we, we, we fought over two other things on the way there. Anyway, this isn't marital counseling. It feels like it, though. And y'all are not, y'all are not little children. I'm so used to the kids. Now I know what Jesus means. Come like little children. Okay. So, when we're coming to worship, though, it should encourage you the fact that your prayers, your praises, and your time with God's people 
is being sanctified and perfected. You're actually, uh, your worship has to be perfected to be acceptable before God. Um, it's true. We are not to worship with our lips, but with our hearts. Oftentimes, we worship with our lips. How many times have you sat here, and the song comes, and, you, and before you know it, you're sitting down, it's the prayer of confession, you're like, what did we just sing? You didn't think about the words. We didn't think about anything. We just did it. Jesus, though, is perfecting that for his people. The directory makes very clear, and this should be obvious, the worship of God's people means that the people have to be Christians. You actually have to have faith. And if you don't have faith, if you're not a Christian, you're coming to the public worship, there's nothing going on for you except that God can work grace in your heart and bring you to himself. But he can't perfect your worship because you don't belong to him. You're not actually worshiping in his name. It's not by faith. But for those who are here, who are his people, we worship. And even though it's so pitiful oftentimes, Jesus presents it to God and it's perfected. And there's so many good quotes from Calvin on a book of Hebrews. Essentially, it's just this. It's, if we want to pray properly, if we want to worship properly, we must learn always to set before us the death of Christ, which sanctifies our prayers. So when you're coming to worship, know that you have an, an intercessor, a mediator, who is praying for you and who's presenting your worship before God and making it holy. We don't come here to show God how good we are. We come here to show God that we're relying on His Son and that His Son is working in us. So, let me pull this up here. The parts of public worship what, what are the parts of public worship? Because a service of public worship is in its essence a meeting of the triune God with his chosen people, some of whom have not yet come to faith and repentance, a worship service consists of two principal parts. Those elements which are done on behalf of God through a representative voice, that's like a pastor or minister, and those elements by which are done by the congregation through their own or a representative voice when we pray or praise God or when someone prays the pastoral prayer. By His Spirit working through the ministry of the Word, God addresses His people in the call to worship, in the salutation and benediction, we do a benediction, in the reading and preaching of the Word, and in the sacraments. His people, enabled by the Holy Spirit, address God in prayer, in song and offerings, in hearing the word, in confession, and in receiving and partaking of the sacraments. The triune God, this is important, is not a passive 
spectator in public worship, but actively works in each element of the service of worship. Neither are the people of God to be passive spectators in worship, but by faith are to participate actively in each element of the service of worship. God is active. He wants you to be active. This means that we should know what we're doing on a Sunday morning. And we should actually be participating in it mentally, spiritually, with our heart, with our emotions. How many of you can speak to yourself with your own voice inside of your head? That if you, perhaps you've been doing it this whole time actually. You can hear audibly your voice, but you're not saying any words. Am I the only one that does it? You do it, Anna. What, are you, what have you told yourself this morning? We have so many thoughts running through our head. I have so many thoughts in mind. It's like, what am I doing? I'm trying to wake up. That's what I'm doing. Okay, in the public worship, though, you're not to have your thoughts running through your head. You're not supposed to be speaking to yourself. Unless, of course, you're praying or you're applying what is being said and spoken. So you're speaking the truth to yourself. But in a sermon, I mean, this is me. I'll be listening to a sermon, and then I wake up, and it's like, where is he at? I don't know. Where he, where, where, what's he talking about? Oh, I know why I don't know what's going on, because I was talking. And the minister of God wasn't talking to me. I was talking to me. And we have to be disciplined uh, in not doing this. Make sure that when you're in worship, you're participating. You're active. Yeah, you're sitting down. But you're supposed to be active, engaged. That's also why we kneel. Oh, we can kneel in our heart. Well, it's helpful, isn't it, to kneel. That's why we raise our hands. Well, I'm praising God with my heart. Yes, but the hands help you to worship. They come in along with it. What are the elements of public worship? These are elements from God to the people. This is what God does here. This is how God is active. The call to worship. We start our, our services, if you have one of these handy-dandy liturgies, we start it with a call to worship. Today, what is our call to worship? 105? Yeah, 105, 1 through 7. God, having summoned his people to assemble in his presence to worship him on the Lord's day, there ought to be a call to the congregation in God's own words to worship him. And we have the public reading of God's word. 
Mikhail's reading today, multiple passages. We have the preaching of God's word. We have the sacraments. We have the blessings, which is the uh, salutation or benediction. And all of these things, this is the way that God is actively engaging us. He's coming to us through those things. How do we go to Him? We go to Him by public prayer, with congregational singing, worship, public confession of faith. That's like the reading of... um, The Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, we confess our faith publicly. The bringing of offerings. Offerings are a form of worship. Um, One of the, it was a couple weeks ago, um, whoever, uh, up here in our service, whoever does the public reading, right afterwards, they're supposed to say, They're supposed to say this, we continue in the worship of the Lord by bringing to him his uh, uh, tithes and our offerings. We continue in the worship. That's what's supposed to be said. Well, for the longest time, I wasn't saying that. I was just saying something like, may the deacons come up to collect the offerings. And one day, Andrew texted Mikhail and I, he's like, yeah, you shouldn't, you should say this. And I didn't, for whatever reason, my phone did not get that. So the next Sunday, I did, I did the other thing again, didn't do what I was supposed to. And then later that week, he's like, what? Did you not get the text? I'm like, no. I felt bad. But it was a sin of ignorance. I didn't know. Anyway. But that's really, um, it is a, it's a form of worship that we give to God with our tithes and offerings. So, let me open it up to questions and thoughts. And let me try not to pull my back out. Just pick this up. Any thoughts? Any questions? pray. You know, it's when you're just standing there and you feel your sins and you know them and you know that people can, people aren't stupid, right? We all know when someone's doing okay or not. Our face really tells it. You should pray in your own heart and mind, and then you should talk to somebody. You should talk to one of your closest uh, brothers or sisters, or to an elder or pastor. You should pray. You should ask them to pray for you. 
Um, if you can't do that, you should do it afterwards. But pray that God would meet with you and help you. And you should also seek reconciliation with whoever you've offended. Um, have you ever asked Jesus to pray for you? I've only done it once, and it was recent because I, I didn't realize that we can actually do that. Because we could do that because he did it for, for Peter. You know, Simon, the devil wants to sift you like wheat. I've prayed for you. That's my answer. Yeah. I think um, I think we have to realize also that sin is normal, and that when we come here, you should do everything in your effort to come prepared, to be here on time, to. Spend time in prayer in the morning to set it aside because it is the Lord's Day. But come prepared, and oftentimes we're not. We just don't prepare. But the sweetness of Christ's intercession, He knows our weaknesses. Any other thoughts or questions? Yeah, um, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very practical. It really comes down to, did I lay my clothes out that I'm going to wear tomorrow? And for mothers and children, absolutely. I'm sorry, I'm deaf.
Yeah, I mean, it's know what you're coming to do. Do you have faith to know what's going on? Um, but yeah, as fathers, you are leading the home. You set the tone. Are we going to watch a movie on Sunday night into the 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock? Or are we going to, or sports or whatever? You know, or are you going to get a good night's rest and be able to get ready for the next day? Um, and yet, we often don't do it. It's like, that's, that's where we have to grow. Um, and when you th- remember, God speaks through his ministers. God is here meeting with you. And you have to expect that there is something here for you that will help you. That this is, in fact, the best day of the week. And that being the public worship and the assembly of God's people, you are hearing God's voice. There are a lot of people who think the only way God speaks is if he speaks audibly and um, in a miraculous way. But the fact is, is God speaks to us by his word and spirit and by his ministers. Um, we need to be motivated on Saturday night to come Sunday morning ready for that. Um, have you ever been in a church where God in his providence has given you, and this is kind of dangerous, but he's given you a pastor who might not be a very good preacher, who might not actually be doing a good job, and you feel like you're not getting fed by him. Um. Perhaps you should find a different church, but maybe the problem is with us. There's all kinds of issues that can arise in that. Um, But we have to have faith knowing that God actually is here doing his work in us. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Bob.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. Um, what, I, what I do is write. I write down what I'm hearing. That helps me. I can go back and look at it, but it helps me stay focused so that I'm actively engaged, not, not drifting away. But um, the key is listening. Um, when someone, when someone's watching a football game or listening to a baseball game, they are listening. They want to see what happens. And if their child or someone starts talking to them, they'll tell them, be quiet. I'm trying to find out what's happening. That's how you should approach worship. Um, there, there are times... Well, you should, you should be focused in that sense of listening. Um, and it's okay, though. Like, we shouldn't be completely demoralized if, oh, I drifted away. Now the whole sermon's over. You know, it's like, well, just get what you can. Go back to it. Listen. Hear what's being spoken. Yeah. Y'all, are, y'all look tired. Maybe I'm just tired. Because my back is killing me right now. Um, so, today, we're about to enter into worship, you know, in a matter of minutes. Um, and... Chuck will be preaching the word. Are you ready for that? Are you looking forward to what God will say through Chuck? Do we think that there's things here that um, I already know and I've heard? I know this text or whatever. Um, or are we coming with expectation? to be filled and fed. Um, I'm excited for it. I hope that you are too. I hope that this has been of some help to you, or at least jogged your mind a little bit about worship. It's been a reminder for you that when we come to worship, you have to be prepared for it. Um, don't be like a Thomas who, who needs to see the Lord Jesus before he believes. Christ really is sitting right now at the right hand of the Father. This is why Paul says, keep your mind on things above. Where Christ is. He really is sit, sit, sitting there in his exaltation with a body, with flesh and blood, just like you and me. 
and he's interceding for us, and he's paid a price for our sins. He's redeemed us and will continue, uh, continually keep us. This is why we don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. Um, we're not in communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus who is sitting there at the right hand when we're not with God's people. Obviously, you can still commune with him outside of church, but if you're neglecting the public convocation, you are missing out on the glories of redemption. The fact that God is for you and that we have fellowship with God. Um, so, I hope this was helpful to you. I might go lay down and die because of my back. That's why. Um, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can worship with your people. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the one who has ascended to the right hand of the Father, who is interceding for us. Please take our worship, which is often faltering and distracted, and sanctify it. Speak to us and teach us um, in this next hour as we worship you. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.